Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Today we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 16, titled The Big One. Episode bio from Netflix for this episode is Roy and Paris compete to give a speech at a school celebration. Meanwhile, Lorelai shares a passionate kiss with someone unexpected. Who could it be? Juicy. (laughs) Before we get going, another reminder about our sticker giveaway. All you have to do to enter is write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and send us a screenshot with your mailing address to talkingbestpodcast.com at (laughs) gmail.com and we'll send you a sticker all right yay to stickers and we also have our patreon talking fast podcasts at patreon we have our five dollar support tier and we've also added the feature that we will post our episodes ad free so if you would like to listen to our content as per usual without the ads you can join us on patreon to get access to those it will still have our goofy ad, mm, of but course. no sponsors. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what were your initial thoughts for this episode? Hmm. It's hard to say. I will admit mm-hmm. I have been dreading the the party episode for reasons I'm sure are clear in everyone's yeah. minds. And I just kept feeling like it would be next and next and next. So I looked at the Netflix list of episodes And luckily, it's actually further away than I realized. So I was actually kind of relieved going into this episode. (laughs) But uh, then I realized it has the Paris storyline that is quite controversial. Mm -hmm. And I also was going into it with the mystery of reading the bio of like, who is Lorelai's passionate kiss? I honestly couldn't have told you before watching the episode. I did not remember, spoiler alert, that Max Medina (laughs) comes back in this episode. So I was truly startled by that. Um, But overall, an eventful episode that I was like, so Mm -hmm. much to talk about here. (laughs) How about you? I I don't know how I feel about Mm -hmm. this episode. I like there is there's a lot that happens. But at the same time, it feels like a bridge episode, like Mm. an episode that's just setting us up for things down the line. But at the same time, it's like the culmination of some pretty big storylines like where will Rory get accepted anywhere? So I don't I don't know. And I also don't really know whether I like this episode or not. Yeah. Strangely. I don't know if I like it either. <laughs> but I like <laughs> to talk about it, I would think. Yeah, we've got a lot to say, I'm sure. In terms of it as a bridge episode, I also felt like it was an ad for Claritin. <laughs> because of the allergies subplot. <laughs> yeah. That's that so was true. random. <laughs> That was just so, like, we have to figure out a way for them to meet at a pharmacy. So we'll just do this. (laughs) Despite the fact that Lorelai is not sniffling, she doesn't Mm -hmm. have a red nose, she doesn't have any allergy symptoms. Yeah, well, (laughs) we will get into that a bit more. But for now, let's do our talking fast segment. Okay, are you prepared to go first? I will try. Okay, uh, ready, set, go. Cr- 
Kirk is the mailman now, and it is dramatic because Rory is waiting for her letters, which she receives at the end of the episode, and they are big envelopes, so it's implied she's accepted to a lot of schools. But before she knows that, there's a lot going on at Chilton, where her and Paris are competing for a speech. They end up having to do it together. Um, but then it all goes downhill when Paris finds out she's not in Harvard and she had sex. Um, then there's also a um, another storyline, which is something. Oh, Matt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's on the tip of my tongue. What was it about again? <laughs> well, you got the Rory stuff, like, very well organized. Thank you. That's that like, good. I've been trying to, I don't know, like, visualize things more or, like, think yeah. of an outline, like, quickly within seconds. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, I try that and fail every single time that's so. part of the fun of this though if we were just that's experts true. acing this every week i don't know if people would like that very much they'd just be like they're yeah. showing off like okay they talk fast we get it i definitely don't talk fast so let's do it <laughs> all right on your mark get set go so we're waiting to hear about colleges uh, apparently they know that that news is coming soon um, so they're waiting the mail uh, box. Kirk is the mailman and he's not very good at it. Lorelai has allergies, so she goes to a drugstore and runs into Max. Then there's the uh, speech contest at Chilton and Rory and Paris have to do a speech together. And Richard shows up and Max is there. And uh, Paris has had sex with Jamie, so she's confused about things. And then it goes badly. <laughs> nice. I don't even know what happened there. Okay. I thought it was pretty good. Well, thanks. All right. Let's slow down. So our cold open is the girls, like, both in the living room reading their respective material, Rory with the book and Lorelai with the magazine. And at first it seems like just a quiet evening, but then we find out that they're waiting in, like, high anticipation for the mail to arrive. They yell that the mailman is there, and who is the mailman but Kirk? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it seems to be his first day or something because he's not very good at it, <laughs> and he hasn't sorted the mail. And this was my Stars Hollow moment for the episode. This was my Stars Hollow moment <laughs> as well. Nice. <laughs> Kirk kind of gives them a lecture about how everybody needs to slow down, smell the roses, and I just loved it. He's it's like a, a real job like he's done jobs before that are real but this one feels like more official because he's got the uniform and everything and he's just terrible at it mm -hmm. <laughs> loved it yeah I liked his comment about sorting the mail at each house keeps up the spontaneity of the job <laughs> and I was between this scene and the later scene and I thought this yeah. one was good because of his little monologue about slowing down and smelling the roses <laughs> also quick shout out to sean gunn i just saw guardians of the galaxy mm. this weekend and he's got a more prominent role in it than the past ones and he did great i also found out that he does the physical work for rocket in all of the guardians oh. stuff like he's there uh and you know the like green suit and all of that stuff even though it's bradley cooper who voices him so that was very interesting to find out. Hopefully, I'm not getting that wrong because that would be embarrassing. But <laughs> I heard it. I heard it on another podcast. All right. So. <laughs> well, hopefully that podcast didn't lead ours astray. <laughs> 
but you know it's just sean gunn and another odd job <laughs> that's true all right Very our true. next scene is the next day i believe or maybe later that day at luke's and Lorelai is crabby because she has allergies. This is the start of what is a fairly random plot line, like we mentioned earlier. The other thing that we learn in this scene is that Luke has updated his menus. They now have a lot of heavy plastic, and crabby Lorelai is disappointed because she had doodled all over. Well, not all over, but she'd been able to doodle her name in every other menu. And they end up making fun of him because he changed the menu to add some new salads for Nicole. A lot of teasing and whatnot. Uh, I don't think I need to point out that it's a bit silly because it's like he (laughs) mostly kept everything on there and added a couple salads. And like, I don't know, I think it's nice to make sure your girlfriend has multiple things to eat at wherever (laughs) you work and then. I'm sure other people in town like salad as well. <laughs> so Yeah, Luke included. Right. So yeah. I thought it was also a bit of a Lorelai marking her territory thing. She totally. marked every single one of the old menus and the new menus are like very Nicole marked. Yes. So. Yeah. And her comment is like, well, why does Nicole get a new menu? You re- Like mm-hmm. I never got a new menu or something like that. So she is like... <laughs> also drawing that connection and Rory says well that's because Nicole is his girlfriend which Luke denies they're just dating the woman he is dating (laughs) I also wanted to note in this scene we have Lane like frantically drumming on the tables and talking about some band stuff I just love that she's coming more into her drumming persona it is good to see next up is a classroom scene at Chilton Hmm. This teacher is, I feel like, kind of awkwardly trying to get students to care about mm-hmm. something at the classic point in school, which is, I mean, this happens every semester for me at like the end uh, when summer is arriving. But I can only imagine it's been a while for me now. But like when you are a senior and you've mm-hmm. already made your plans for the next thing and she's just like trying to get them to care about a little thing. And yeah. it's the bicentennial, like, it sounds very boring to me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to come up with a speech. It sounds like they have talking points they have to hit. Mm. But then they each have to write their own speech and then compete for it and then give it to a televised audience. It's just a lot of work at the end of the school year yeah. when you already know you're graduating. <laughs> But Paris, of course, wants to enter and beat Rory. And uh, we also get the return of our good friend, Brad, Mm -hmm. who has just been uh, doing a run of Into the Woods. Um, And it's given him a whole new sense of confidence. (laughs) He says that Paris cannot intimidate him anymore. And he's he's a changed man. (laughs) This was my Rory's bookshelf, the background, yeah, (laughs) the background knowledge, the very meta reference to Into the Woods because the actual actor, Adam Wiley, Adam Wiley was in the 2002 revival of Into the Woods. Yeah, which is interesting because there is currently a very popular revival of Into the Woods going on right now. So, you know, 
20-ish years later, we still like Into the Woods. And I did look at the cast list briefly of his run through. And there were some Broadway names I recognized, but the celebrity people might know Vanessa Williams, who I know you like from Ugly Betty, um, was the witch. So I thought that sounded like a really good casting. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) From what I could tell, Nathan Lane was not in this revival of Into the Woods because they do have a funny comment where... Brad says Nathan Lane is a very bitter man <laughs> and it's a, just like a lot going on where Paris is also repeating all of these theater references and Brad is like wow she's really up on her theater references which she's using to like try to take him down so mm-hmm. all in all a lot of fun allusions to different elements of Broadway culture and whatnot yeah a lot of it went over my head <laughs> Some of it went over my head, too. Like, Paris said, sit down, Mary Martin. And I can only imagine that is an actor in a show that I just didn't have the time to Google. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've only seen the movie Into the Woods. I've never seen it on stage. Mm. And I've heard that it's the movie's not the greatest representation of the musical. I've heard that as well, but it's also the only thing I've seen. I've listened to the soundtrack of the new Broadway show, but I do what I can living in the middle of the country, yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes yeah. movies are just the most accessible. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after this scene, which is basically the setup for a rivalry between Paris and Rory for the rest of the episode, we go to the inn uh, where people are sending Suki's food back, which has never happened before. And it sounds like Everybody thinks every single dish tastes terrible, and she's really upset. Lorelai comes in, and all the other cooks are standing behind Suki, kind of like looking off to the side, not meeting her gaze, um, being very suspicious. And so Lorelai takes takes one for the team and decides to test the food, and it's terrible, which is very strange. As mm-hmm. we know of Suki, she like never misses a mark. That one time that she had the risotto questioned. It was all because of the wine, so it's very weird for her to have something that actually tastes bad. Yeah. And Lorelai kind of pulls her aside, and they try and figure out what ha- what's happening. Like, <laughs> I thought this was hilarious because Lorelai brings up, maybe you have allergies, forgetting yeah. that she's supposed to have allergies this whole episode, <laughs> so maybe it tastes bad because she has allergies. <laughs> That's a great point. At that moment, I thought, oh, is that why they mentioned allergies earlier? So it would seem like, mm-hmm. oh, it's allergy season in Stars Hollow. Maybe Suki has allergies too. But then later on, we realized the very loose tie of the reason that allergies are being brought up. But... <laughs> As we'll learn a couple minutes from now, Suki is pregnant. And I was curious, at what point in the scene did you, as the viewer, realize Suki is pregnant? Because I feel like it was pretty heavily hinted at. (laughs) Yeah. I think, like, as soon as they were complaining about her food tasting bad and she was insisting it tasted good, it's like, it's this scene. (laughs) Yeah, when the other chefs were noting that it is actually bad and so then that was when I'm like oh it it is a real thing and then yeah must be pregnancy I can't imagine like obviously I've never been pregnant and it messes with so many things in your Mm. body I can't imagine like having a profession that relies so heavily on one of your senses that can be messed with by pregnancy yeah terrifying the other thing that happens at the inn Roy arrives after school and she's talking to Lorelai about this 
speech option and Lorelai makes a fantastic point that a person who wants to be a foreign correspondent should probably practice talking in front Mm -hmm. of a crowd (laughs) and (laughs) it's just another good reminder of the questioning questioning of Rory's career goal as a foreign correspondent and how it just feels like such a weird goal of hers which I never really Mm -hmm. questioned like the first like many times when I've watched it before but we talked about this last season when her and Jess talked about it in the car and we were like wait a second like why does she want to do that yeah with her personality like you can be an a huge journalist without being a foreign correspondent so just another reminder especially as she's on the eve of going to college and becoming an English major like mm-hmm. there's just so many other paths for her I feel like yeah I could see her being a great print journalist of course mm-hmm. but it kind of I don't know it kind of makes me feel weird like she has chosen this foreign correspondent job as something that like is prestigious and visible maybe mm. and it it will get to my Friday night dinner later in the episode which is just like the fact that we ask high schoolers to decide their career choice mm-hmm with so little information like Rory clearly doesn't know the breadth of opportunities out there Mm -hmm. for her so she's picked this one thing that like she has seen before and she admires in other people so she thinks that therefore it's something she needs to do regardless of the fact that it doesn't match her personality at all it'd probably be torture for her to actually do that so yeah definitely (laughs) the last scene at the inn is Suki and Lorelai rushing to meet each other at the same time because Lorelai just has an <laughs> aha moment mid-conversation with Rory and she runs over and Suki's also running out of the kitchen and they are like, you're pregnant! And all of them are <laughs> jumping up and down, which is a very sweet moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I described it as a squeal fit. <laughs> it was a squeal it's fit. It's very loud. <laughs> it was like a mosh pit squeal fit. <laughs> yeah. all in there. <laughs> Yeah. We also, this is interesting, like we know that Jackson wanted to have kids, but we haven't really heard whether Sicky wanted them, mm-hmm. at least not right away. So it's, you know, just a an interesting progression. Yeah. Like you said of this episode, feeling like a bridge, but also a culmination. I do think this feels like a culmination of the mm-hmm. plot line from the dance marathon episode, where when we talked about that, we noted like, the major conversation they had where they came to a conclusion was off screen. So we never knew what Suki decided, like if she wanted them. Um, It seems like it because she is happy here. Um, But yeah, it's like a culmination of something that we got part of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems both like planned and unexpected. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So after this, we go back to Chilton (laughs) And Paris is kind of on a run, psyching everybody out as they're all waiting to uh, compete for it with their speeches. So they're all lined up in the hallway. And she goes from person to person, like just jabbing at them mm-hmm. <laughs> with different jabs. She goes after Brad by sitting down next to him and starting to sing his role from Into the Woods. <laughs> which And then like leading into a whole bunch of teasing and everything for him. And Rory... Knows exactly what Paris is up to and tells her to stop. Um, And then she 
said something really astute, I think, which is that Paris's speech must really suck if she's trying this hard to psych everybody else out, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a great point. Usually if somebody is like really worried about their own work, if they're really bugging other people, then it's probably a reflection on how they feel about their own work. Yeah, and I feel like to a larger level that has been the explanation for so much of Paris's personality mm-hmm. this whole time that she's in high school. And I feel like it got a bit better maybe with her friendship with Rory, but now it's definitely like this seems like a Paris I remember from earlier seasons where she's just antagonizing people from her inner mm-hmm. insecurities and whatnot. Yeah, Rory asks... <laughs> Where what cover up she uses to cover up the bolts on her neck. I thought that was a great little allusion to Frankenstein's monster. Although also I didn't really think it made sense in this instance. Mm -hmm. Like she's being mean, but she's not not (laughs) acting like the monster. (laughs) Right. But who knows? It was it was still fun. (laughs) The scene ends with Brad going in and he has been shaken up, unfortunately, by Paris, who was singing the bean song that he had and he said he was proud of his role and that he was described as winningly naive by the newspaper (laughs) and whatnot but he blurts out I'm winningly naive when they say it's time for him to give his speech so I think this may be the last we see of Brad it was a good way to go out it was a humorous little storyline and he gets to you know get the honor of his call out for Into the Woods yeah he's been one of our few recurring Chilton characters like we've got Madeline and Louise and then Francie dipped in and out Mm -hmm. Tristan and then Brad yeah that's basically right and kind of Max I guess and Headmaster Charleston yeah that's true so after this we catch back up with Lorelai and Suki is calling Lorelai to talk about how breaking the news to Jackson went and Suki is sitting in her house and Jackson is just like off in the background saying, oh boy, over and over again. (laughs) And apparently as soon as Suki told him, he like pulled out a calculator and has been crunching the numbers ever since, which I feel like is a, it's obviously not the ideal reaction, like you want to celebrate Mm -hmm. first, but I think it's also a very realistic reaction. And it also makes me wonder... Like, was it actually planned? Because if it was Mm -hmm. planned, you'd think that they would have thought about the, like, financial ramifications of having a child. (laughs) Yeah, I would say it seems welcomed, but unplanned from both Mm -hmm. of them by the end of the episode. And I just found this reaction from Jackson a bit ironic, considering, Mm -hmm. as Lorelai points out, that he wanted the four and four. So they referenced that disastrous thing we talked about earlier and it was like if he was so dedicated to the four and four why did he not plan a bit more or think about what that would entail because you better believe that if you're worried about the finances of one child like four (laughs) and four would be a huge financial burden and he just seemed totally surprised and freaked out by this and it's like he had dreams but he did not think about reality (laughs) I guess (laughs) Yeah, I also kind of relate to Jackson with like getting big news and you're excited about it, but your first response is to like go into planning mode to quell the anxiety. <laughs> I understand that. Definitely. Poor Suki, though. Yeah. Speaking of, I guess, 
anxiety and maybe lack of planning, <laughs> the next scene is Kirk <laughs> with a whole pile of mail in front of him at Dosi's and various onlookers yelling at him about how they can see their mail if they could just grab it and he's saying that's illegal this is an official job like don't tell me what to do there was an interview it was hard to get it's pretty (laughs) funny um and Lorelai also enters the scene looking for her allergy medicine which I still continue to feel like there had to have been a better storyline for her and Max to meet up in the next scene at a pharmacy like it was just kind of annoying they could have, because it's so She could random. have, like, gone to get coffee at that coffee shop they met at. Yeah. That one time, and he was there. Because she had coffee when she went to Friday night dinner. Yeah, anything, anything else. Because this just felt rather like a fragmented scene. Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of carrying on the Kirk bit. It's carrying on the pharmacy allergies thing that will only make sense when you see the next scene. It's just fairly random, but... I do think it's worth noting that Dean is there yelling at Kirk like everyone else. I'm not saying he was like mean compared to everyone else or anything, <laughs> but he and Lorelai have an exchange like, is there, aller- is there allergy medicine? No. Okay. I'll go in Hartford. <laughs> but they're just standing particularly close. And mm-hmm. since the episode description had said she has a passionate kiss with someone <laughs> unexpected, I was like, what if it was Dean? but it wasn't she's gonna smooch in the grocery store just like rory oh yeah (laughs) that would be such a twist for the show what would lorelei shoplift after their kiss oh yeah it's not allergy Mm. medicine because they're out (laughs) i know i don't know that's a good question maybe she'd take some marshmallows or something Mm. yeah i feel like it has to be pretty random i guess because it's not like rory's cornstarch really reflected her character or anything (laughs) yeah i don't know we'll we'll leave that one hanging (laughs) yeah i mean at this point maybe dean is 18 (laughs) yeah to be fair i'm not saying she should kiss dean i'm just saying the clues were there that it could have been a possibility (laughs) yeah and as we've said before they do have a strange kind of chemistry together yes yeah that's what i was playing on um but next up she runs into a more age-appropriate guy from her past she's in the pharmacy aisle, she turns the corner, and bam, there's a huge ad for Claritin. No, <laughs> but there was a huge poster board for a Claritin ad in the background. So my theory is perhaps this was actually a sponsored yeah, episode. Maybe. It was during allergy season, and so Claritin gave them a little bit of money, and that's why they had to fit in all of these references and this pharmacy right now. Could be. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing she runs into is Max Medina himself. <laughs> yeah, they have a super awkward interaction, mostly awkward on Lorelai's part. I felt like Max was kind of holding it together. They, he was obviously surprised to see her, but Lorelai was just kind of uh, going on about uh, how she hasn't seen him, where he's mm. been. He's been in California working at Stanford. It sounded Ooh, like la, he was la. a like a guest lecturer or something. But it also kind of sounds like maybe it was turning into a permanent position. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. But that's where he's been since since they broke up. I don't know. At least for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> and he's back for the bicentennial celebration. Um, he asks how Rory is and whether Rory's still with Dean. 
Lorelai says no, she has a new boyfriend, and Max like immediately can mm-hmm. tell that Lorelai doesn't like him, which I thought was great. It's just Max and Lorelai did really understand each other, I think. Mm-hmm. They definitely weren't right for each other at the time, but they could have been great. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it, it was awkward, but it also was fairly pleasant and had a, a mm-hmm. bit of familiarity and that the kind of wittiness that they share and their banter back and forth seemed to come back quickly like it never left in a way mm-hmm. and compared to other awkward encounters between exes in this show <laughs> this was like totally different and you also might expect like knowing the knowing what happened between them like max is being so yeah he could be so pissed. he could be doing so many things like just cold sho- shoulder ignoring her he could yell at her all of these different things but instead he's just like doing polite chit chat small talk kind of stuff that I was mm-hmm. like wow <laughs> what a good person <laughs> yeah and we still have no idea how the breakup actually happened so <laughs> yeah I feel like we learn a bit about it later on in the episode mm-hmm. which is interesting but we will get there for now we go to another Friday night dinner well it's the first of the episode but you know one of many over over time <laughs> and Richard answers the door which is unusual apparently both of their maids are out and so is Emily because there have been three strokes in the DAR so she's had to go to a lot of different hospitals apparently I think it's quite clear that Kelly Bishop was unavailable for this episode mm-hmm. because she's also not in attendance at the speech later on I felt like this was a fairly weak cover-up because yeah she obviously would have gone to the speech with Richard um, and it was like a week later or something. She couldn't still be in the hospital for all these strokes. Um, But that's just me. Um, (laughs) What if she went to the spa or something with tricks? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Their newfound friendship. They're just bonding. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But while Richard is away answering the phone because, you know, no one else is there to answer it for him, Lorelai tells Rory about Max which I think is fun. Like every time something happens with Max in this episode, Lorelai tells Rory about it immediately after, mm-hmm. which I think is like sweet and kind of shows that they're in a good place together and whatnot. But Lorelai's kind of like, yeah, it went surprisingly well. Maybe I didn't actually treat him that bad. And my just ass <laughs> attack is Rory's response was, oh no, you treated him like crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm just glad that she said that. And I think Suki says something to that extent later mm-hmm. on too. And I like that they're, they're like playfully keeping, like reminding her of her behavior, you know? Which I think is like so similar to what we try to do with our critiques as well. You know, it's like we like Lorelai, but yeah, we're going to say she treated Max like <laughs> crap, you know, like just like Roy here. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> In, in the vein of reminding them of their actions in the past, I have to say, like, last week we were so angry at Rory for not telling Lorelai stuff. Mm-hmm. And it feels like this is another instance of, like, after the um, big fight, after the car crash, where they just kind of, like, never mention it for a couple episodes yeah, and act as if nothing happened. I kind of get the same feeling now, like... We don't see Jess at all in this episode, so that can't come up organically, but we could oh, right. see Rory like feeling a little bit guilty about not being as transparent as Lorelai is being or something. That's but a really no, good point. No reference to it at all. 
And it is so juxtaposed with the way that Lorelai is so open and forthcoming about her mm-hmm. romantic life here in this episode multiple times. It's like, Roy did not get that quality from her mother, yeah. it seems. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like Lorelai is like approaching it all from the, like, she's got tea she wants to spill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just Just because it's about herself doesn't mean it's not as fun to talk about. Yeah. So she like has a very different approach than Rory. <laughs> uh, yeah, at least right now she does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another funny line in this scene is when Richard, uh, he learns about Rory's speech and that it's going to be on C-SPAN, but he's going to try to see it in person. Um, but on the topic of C-SPAN, he says like, uh, well, no, they're talking about like C-SPAN is boring. And Lorelai describes like a congressional vote being televised <laughs> as a men's warehouse security camera footage, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> which was true. very funny and true, I thought. And every time the phone rings, Richard like gets up and jumps up and yells, I've got it, which is like adorable <laughs> because he's just so un- unaccustomed to the very basic functioning of life. Um, mm-hmm. So out of touch, but so cute at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a little bit chaotic in this episode. Mm-hmm. It it also seemed like they couldn't get Kelly Bishop, but they also could only get him for <laughs> like an hour or so of shooting. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the rare times you don't have Emily, but you have yeah. only Richard too at a Friday night dinner. Yeah, I don't think that happens again until they're like split up. Mm, that's a fun time. I mean, it's sad, but it's fun, you know, because of yeah. the new dynamics it produces. Oh, I can't wait to see that dog. I love that storyline anyways the next scene where um at Suki's Lorelai arrives and I for a long time I had I didn't know the set I secret I guess that Suki's house and Lorelai's house are the same buildings on Mm. set Mm -hmm. just different angles but now that I know that seeing this scene where Lorelai walks up and sits on the porch with Suki it's so obvious (laughs) obvious <laughs> that they're the same place just like from different different sides but she sits down with her they talk about the pregnancy a bit Suki attempts to get some info out of Lorelai about being pregnant but Lorelai was a teenager so she doesn't have any good advice and apparently Jackson has like taken safety to a whole new level he only drives <laughs> seven miles per hour now so that he doesn't jiggle the baby <laughs> he's so cute and then he also like bursts out onto the porch talking about how he's gonna sell the truck um because it's not safe and then uh he also wants to switch all of their knives to plastic knives he wants (laughs) Suki to get rid of her nice like butcher's knife and everything because it's not gonna be safe with the baby Suki has a great comeback which is like well, if our child falls off the counter into the knife drawer, then yeah, that would be bad. But what are the odds of that? Great comeback. Obviously, when you have a toddler, you'll probably want to put the knives up, but there's no reason not to have them. <laughs> so we just kind of get the idea that Jackson is still on his whole roll with freaking out. Uh, he still hasn't taken the time to celebrate. Suki's pretty frustrated about it. And they also talk a little bit about Max, here's Suki again, agrees that Lorelai treated Max pretty terribly. Yeah, in the part where they talk about Max, Lorelai says a very Rory line that I noticed. She says, I don't want him to hate oh, me. Oh, yeah. Throwback. And that yeah. she owes him a note. And it just feels like a little too late 
for accountability, Lorelai. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember the episode after she, you know, ditched him, didn't want to get hitched anymore, whatnot. And we were like, oh, what are the different ways she might have contacted him to tell him? Did she write a note? Did she call? Did she leave a voicemail? Did, like, someone else tell him? If so, who? Like, did he show up to the venue? Like, it's just so, like horrible to like have not like told him anything or apologize or give an explanation and the fact that she's thinking about this like years later I guess or maybe almost two years almost two years she says oh I think I owe him a note like no shit but like a (laughs) note from two years later doesn't have the same effect Mm -hmm. like he doesn't need the note now he needed it then and it just kind of outrageous that it never came up until now and was this when they were able to get that actor again I don't know (laughs) but like if we're only thinking about it from a storyline perspective it's just it feels a little out of place for this to be happening now because like that happened so long ago (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like it really kind of falls in line with what we've critiqued about Rory as you said but like Lorelai is only aware of the consequences of her actions like when they're staring her in the face yeah (laughs) since she hasn't seen max for so long she just was able to put all of that to the side but now that he's there and potentially not liking him it's like some huge deal and i think rory's the same way like she she won't face something until it's like actually just standing right in front of her and she can't Mm -hmm. can't avoid it very gilmore-ish Indeed, indeed. The next scene is later that night. Rory is arriving at home and she gets a phone call from Professor Charleston, who is doing a joint call with her in Paris, the height of technology. And he (laughs) lets them know that their speeches were so good that they just had to pick both of them. And now they need to do a joint speech together. And Paris's response once he hangs up is that like, oh, he's just doing this to get us, like, to make up. And that was exactly what I was thinking. He's like, (laughs) which I kind of, like, I don't often, like, love that much that Charleston does, but I do actually kind of love that he was like, hey, here's a way Mm -hmm. I could get these two best friends back together, hopefully. I'm going to make them do a speech together. And I like that he did that because I want them to get back together too, you know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But my last thought about this was, if you recall, a few scenes ago, we were at a Friday night dinner. So this has to be like, what, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, that he's calling yeah. them on a Friday night and then saying their speech needs to be done on a Tuesday? Doesn't make That's sense. That's unacceptable. It's just that Rory also mentions to Paris, like, we could work at school tomorrow. And I think that was a mistake because it would be a Saturday. And then mm-hmm. when they... They do end up working the next day. It's clear that it wasn't like a school day. So I just feel like that was a a weird thing for her to say. Yeah, there were some strange writing choices in this episode, <laughs> like some continuity errors. Um, I recently saw a TikTok. I've ended up on teacher TikTok, even mm-hmm. though I'm not a teacher anymore and never taught like grade school or anything. But it was a like set to a viral sound I don't remember which one it was but it was like this teacher put these two together in a group uh in when they were like freshmen or something 
and they start talking and then he mm-hmm. sees them at graduation and they're they're best friends or whatever and then later on he is invited to officiate their wedding yeah and I, I feel like headmaster charleston he seems all tightly wound and everything but i bet he does this i bet he like Mm-hmm. whenever he ships students whether friendships <laughs> or relationships yeah. he does what he can to get them together and i think yeah paris and rory are that for him which is pretty sweet actually and makes me like him more thinking mm-hmm. of him in that way and that is a yeah. good tiktok i have seen that one too yeah <laughs> meddling mm-hmm. teachers <laughs> <laughs> we interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor You are invited to the Chilton Bicentennial. This event, celebrating Chilton's cherished role in educating young minds in the Connecticut area, will be quite the prestigious affair. Past alumni and faculty will be there. Some of these people are professors at impressive Ivy League schools. One notable alumni is Mr. Max Medina, visiting from his teaching post at Stanford University. If you stick around empty classrooms and coat closets, you might catch Max in some of his old habit of getting into interpersonal drama on school grounds. If you can't make it in person, you can watch the event, which will be broadcast on C-SPAN Live. The good news is that it's much more comfortable to fall asleep during a boring speech when you're already on the couch at home. Either at home or in person, we hope you can join us in celebrating another 200 years of privileged private school elite education at Chilton. The next scene is Paris and Rory meeting to work on the speech. And this is like another, like as you said, like a weird kind of writing choice Mm -hmm. because Paris said she wanted to meet on the phone, but now she's showing up in person. And I think we realize why she's doing that later on. But it's also evening, and it had been evening the scene before. Yeah. So it almost feels like it's the same night. But then Paris says, like, oh, after we talked, that's when her and Jamie do the deed. So, like, it is Saturday. Yeah. It, maybe we needed a blurry exterior shot to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, like, go back and double check what outfit Rory was wearing mm-hmm. during the phone call to make sure that it wasn't just that evening before they started talking. Because I was like, this... This transition is not great. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, uh, Paris shows up and she is originally talking about the speech, but then she blurts out she slept with Jamie. Um, And I I kind of liked that she she says that she wants to have a healthy debate with Rory about (laughs) it so she can figure out how she feels. And I really like that she knows that about herself Mm because there are some things where like you can have all of all of the information, all the input, like you've had the experience or whatever, but it doesn't really process until you talk to somebody about it. Yeah. So I like that she she knew, even after all the Francie stuff, she knew that Rory would be a good person to talk to. I'm glad she didn't go and talk to Madeline or Louise. They're great. (laughs) They're great people, but they wouldn't be great in this situation. Right. They'd probably be like, great, now you can move on to the next boyfriend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're much more about quantity of fellas than like one one fella. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And no shade to them. It's just a different approach than what Paris would do, I believe. I also like Rory's initial response because Paris says, we had sex after I talked to you on the phone. And Rory says, was it something I said? Like, very confused, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> uh, wonderful. I miss this, that. <laughs> this reminded me a bit of 
Lorelai going to like dump all of her feelings on Luke when they were in a fight and that kind of being the thing that ultimately patched them together and Mm -hmm. we had very mixed feelings about that me being a bit more okay you being less okay and I think it's a bit different here because the the extent of Rory and Paris's fight is very different than Mm -hmm. what Lorelai did to Luke in that fight but I just thought like this feels very like Gilmore way of characters reuniting to me like the being like just the emotional speech where something really (laughs) intimate happens and you know that person will be there for you it's very sweet and I was like oh thank god they're talking about it but then I was like oh my god the the sex storyline oh no I just had like a pit in my stomach (laughs) yeah and it starts off fine like yeah Lorelai during this scene comes in with pizza and then just like eavesdrops on them but Paris is asking well first off Rory asks some like basic questions like yeah were you safe and was Jamie nice to you which I think are you know great questions to ask especially when Paris seems kind of flustered about it mm-hmm. um so you want to find out what exactly you're dealing with like yeah like, was this a, a good thing a bad thing mm-hmm. and then Paris was explaining like the reason she slept with Jamie was kind of because she felt like it was time, like at a certain point in the relationship, that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really get a read on this, whether she was whether she was actually feeling pressured or if that was just kind of she wanted to do it and that was the way she was justifying it. Like I, I couldn't mm-hmm. really tell because she didn't seem really upset that it had happened when it did until Rory says or Rory um explains that she had never slept with Dean she hasn't slept with Jess um because it just wasn't the right time Mm -hmm. and this is my gazebo moment actually when Paris says that and they kind of go back and forth about you know sometimes it's the right time and sometimes it's not and that's okay it doesn't have to be the right time for everybody and Paris says that she just wants some data to back up whether it was the right (laughs) time for her (laughs) despite the fact that it's already happened and I I Mm -hmm. so relate to that. Like, I've been dealing with some conundrums in my employee life Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, with job stuff. And I'm just like, can somebody just tell me, like, I know all of the different pros and cons and everything, but can somebody (laughs) just give me this straight data (laughs) Yeah, and, like, give me this is yes, this is no, so that it's not, like, an actual decision. So I, I completely understand her her desire here to have like something logical to go with the feelings that she's having which can be Paris is a very logic driven person so just having feelings and just going with the feelings is hard (laughs) yeah I like that she's sort of in turmoil because she did something spontaneous Mm -mm. that then she has to afterward reason through because it hadn't been planned and it just feels like (laughs) such a Paris way for it to happen though because she mentions like oh yeah it seemed to go well like the fire was nice (laughs) and we were discussing modern day Marxism in America and I didn't know that (laughs) was like a come hither topic but he did come hither or whatever and now she's like now I have to figure out what this means to me on a psychological level so can we debate about it kind of like you mentioned and I I just I I like the way that she reacts and that it's so her and that she's freaked out because I agree like I couldn't quite tell 
like if she had felt pressured a lot of the descriptions feel like she hadn't like planned on it but I don't know Mm -hmm. that she felt felt pressured just that it kind of like oh it just happened and that she felt like it was a natural kind of progression of as she says like when you're dating someone it's inevitable and I think as long as it's not the guy saying it's inevitable Mm -hmm. so you got to do it and her feeling that it is and being okay with it I think is okay um but I do obviously wish that they had talked about it before (laughs) because yeah (laughs) she could know some of the answers to these questions or um later on as well she starts to say like will he love me still and all of this which is you know a reaction to have like after something like this and I do sort of wish maybe Rory could have said like oh you should talk to him about this but yeah overall I agree it's very like gazebo moment worthy and I like that Rory comes around to be the friend again so quickly Mm -hmm. and at the end of all of this Paris starts to say like she admits you know the fancy stuff got things twisted around and she says I'm and starts to say she's sorry and Rory like accepts it almost like wordlessly um which was it was a very good moment yeah I liked this scene I don't like what happens later (laughs) but it seemed like if if this stuff later hadn't happened this would have been I think a great representation of like the I don't know kind of mixed feelings about like sleeping with somebody for the first time yeah you know it's it's never just gonna be smooth smooth even if it's something you planned you know yeah I think this would have been a wonderful very realistic representation of something Mm -hmm. like this if it wasn't followed by what happened (laughs) I also have to say while this conversation is going on there's a fairly controversial thing happening which is Mm -hmm. Lorelai eavesdropping on the conversation she arrives home with pizza and they don't know she's there and she starts hearing all of this talk about sex and her ears perk up and she has all of these different facial reactions like when Paris is saying sex is inevitable she kind of grimaces and when Rory says she hasn't had sex with Dean or Jess she looks very relieved and proud and by the end of their conversation she kind of pretends to enter the house again and announces her presence loudly and invites them to like go eat the pizza or whatever and when Paris and Rory leave the room Lorelai says this very polarizing line Mm -hmm. I've got the good kid yeah what are your feelings and thoughts about this (laughs) I hate that it actually (laughs) blocked it from my memory (laughs) because it it's like it's so heavy with implication Mm -hmm. that like Paris having sex at all makes her a bad kid despite the fact that she as we've been saying seems to like it seems to have gone well she seems Mm -hmm. to have she was with somebody she really liked like it all seemed good and it seems it's like just buying into the purity narrative Rory is good because she is pure and she hasn't been tainted by boys yet Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's just so disappointing part of me wants to say like Maybe we could read it as saying Rory's a good kid for being so understanding to Paris and like well, being such be a, a good very friend. Very generous to her, but reading. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously not what they meant. <laughs> yeah, what are your feelings about it? I just felt like it was such a shitty thing to say, and like you pointed out, Paris did this in like almost as almost she did it in almost the most safe and healthy way you mm-hmm. could go about it, and I feel that it's 
that is what Lorelai has been telling Rory she should do if she does want to become sexually active. So it's like going against her own advice. And of course, like a bit hypocritical considering yeah. Lorelai's own past. Um, but of course, you know, when things go wrong, you can use those things to then judge other people for doing them as well when you internalize things and whatnot. But I also thought I, I wanted to bring up that I had a vague inkling that I remembered Lauren Graham commenting on this line. So I looked it up and found through Reddit, I found the quote about it. And it's essentially Lorelai talking about how, I mean, sorry, Lauren Graham talking about how she would sometimes try to weigh in on Lorelai lines because she had such a sense of her character as a mother and how she would especially talk to Roy and whatnot. And so her quote is that she didn't like the line because she says, I didn't like that judgment about girls and the decisions mm -hmm. they make, but they wanted me to say that. So I did. And the episode aired and lots of people have come up to me and said, I loved it when you said that. So who knows? Wow. Obviously, that line reflected the way some people felt. So I just appreciate that Lauren Graham also felt similarly. And what an authoritative source, right? She plays the character mm -hmm. herself. And I, I like... I feel influenced by that opinion because I do think there's kind of two versions of Lorelai and the bigger one is the sex positive one. You know, the Lorelai who went to the high school and talked to the kids there. But then there's also the kind of smaller other Lorelai that, you know, slut shame Shane and Jess mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I think that's more of a reflection on the show's own skewed, confused sex politics rather than Lorelai as a character. And so, yeah, I just wish Lauren Graham could have had her way and that this line wasn't yeah. in there because it's such, it just puts a sour taste in your mouth after what you know you nominated as a gazebo moment scene. It's like, mm -hmm. why did you have to go there in the end? Yeah, that's great that she agrees with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish that they had, um, and it's also just like kind of, it, shines light on the different audiences for this yeah, show like that there true. are there's obviously us here who are like sex positive Lorelai is are here or whatever you want to say mm -hmm. and then there's also the people who are watching who are like want Rory to remain pure and like that that idea is perpetuated here with what Lorelai says so it's yeah, yeah it's just interesting thinking of the different audiences for this show how many people might disagree with us. <laughs> yeah. And I will also point out that this article was an interview about her being cast in the Bad Santa movie, random, oh, in 2003. So oh. that's also just to bring up about audience. Like, I would like to say now in 2023, we're all super sex positive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. Right. <laughs> so after this tumultuous scene i suppose we have the speech so we go straight to whatever day the speech is on mm -hmm. and everybody's getting ready the tv crews are all set up it looks super official but paris isn't there so that's our first sign it reminds me a lot <laughs> of the romeo and juliet play when tristan didn't show up oh yeah probably the same hallway yeah but uh paris saved the day then she does not save the day this time Richard arrives. He's all proud and kind of bumbling. I think that's just a good word to describe Richard in this episode <laughs> altogether. He is bumbling, bumbling all over the place. Then Lorelai goes to get some coffee 
And as we could expect, she runs into a Mr. Max Medina. <laughs> I just love that his name has so many M's in it. It's just great. I agree. Mr. Max Medina. <laughs> I wonder what his middle name is. <clears throat> yeah. Matthew. Malcolm. <laughs> Marcus. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> Lorelai wants to talk to him. So she pulls him off into a room. I don't, I'm not remembering it clearly now, but was this his old classroom? Yeah, is where this they where had they made kissed, out where Paris yeah. saw it could be yeah, full circle. But anyways, they Lorelai wants to kind of explain why she didn't marry him, <laughs> and Max is pretty resistant to this. He doesn't want an explanation. He doesn't really think that he needs closure from Lorelai, even though she's continuously trying to say that she just wasn't ready. If she loved him, but she wasn't ready, and Max is like, no, obviously he didn't love me, and I think that's. I don't know. I I can see where Lorelai is coming from. Like sometimes just because you love somebody doesn't mean you want to marry them. Mm-hmm. But I can also see where Max is coming from. But yeah. I have my Rory's bookshelf in this scene, not for any reference actually, but mm-hmm. because this scene reminded me of something. When they're talking about one enclosure, it reminds me of a great scene in my favorite TV show, Northern Exposure. Mm. Which, sadly, not many people have seen these days because it's not streaming anywhere because of music rights. But it was a great show from the early 90s. And there's this one scene where the main character, Joel, he's had to go and live in Alaska to pay off medical school debt. (laughs) And his girlfriend back in New York broke up with him via a letter, like Mm -hmm. a Dear John letter. And he's complaining about how he never had closure. And so some of his friends set up this whole elaborate outdoor, like, uh, reenactment of his and his ex's first date or a day that they really liked and for so that he can get closure. So this just reminded me of that, even though Max doesn't want closure. <laughs> yeah. It's a good show if you ever get the chance to watch it. I wish they would put it it's on wonderful. streaming. I remember you did a Rory's bookshelf related to that a bit ago, and oh. I thought... I think a while ago, maybe in season one. And it sounds good, but dang that it's not streaming. It's really disappointing. People would love it because it's one of those like early 90s comedy shows, kind of like Mm -hmm. Seinfeld comedy-ish, plus like, I don't know, small town antics like Schitt's Creek kind of. People would love it if it was streaming. But I believe you. But uh, yeah, on the topic of closure in the scene that you described and then in this one, I think it's interesting to like engage with ideas about closure because it is a common belief that like you need the other person to give you the closure which is very Mm -hmm. much Lorelai's approach to this and Max's version is a slightly different approach where he's like I've had two years you know where I, I thought about it and I moved on like I feel like he's already achieved his closure and that's why he's like this conversation isn't really doing anything for me like I appreciate it but I don't need this from you right now and Mm -hmm. I just I like that I think it's like a a healthy version of closure to accept that you provide closure for yourself through whatever way that you do that so maybe you reenact a scene maybe you like burn all the letters they wrote you get rid of the stuff like whatever it's just sometimes you think that other person has power over you moving on But it's really just you, which is sad and it's hard to do. But like wanting to see the person again for closure is really just about like wanting to see the other person for the most part. 
Yeah, knowing knowing the reason isn't always good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like feeling like knowing the reason will automatically help you move on is not necessarily the case. Yeah. But speaking of moving on, they they go back in the hallway and Richard and Hanlon, as he calls him, greet each other and they're super friendly and Headmaster Charleston is like, oh, I'll go get you seats and whatnot. And I just want to say throwback to their last encounter which was at like the student business fair and they were arguing like loudly (laughs) and publicly and I just am like oh do you think Richard wrote Hanlon a note after to say sorry (laughs) (laughs) did they have closure it seems like they did probably at the country club you know Mm -hmm. over uh, (laughs) Manhattan or something (laughs) yeah during all this preparation uh, Paris still isn't there. And then finally when she shows up, she gets my Lorelai's closet for the episode. That's what I said too. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be uh, contrary, I guess, because she shows up in sweatpants and a sweater and her hair is like all disheveled all over the place. She looks kind of like I do on Saturdays. <laughs> um, not prepared for the speech at all, at least. Yeah, I nominated it for the same reason. Like, although I hate this storyline, I like the way that they use clothes to represent mm-hmm. her state of mind. And it just feels so unfamiliar to see her disheveled like that and in sweatpants, which I don't think I've seen before from her. And I, the whole kind of way that she's acting like beyond the clothes which represent it visually but then the way she's acting reads is very like catatonic to me almost Mm -hmm. it's like she's there but she's not quite there until she does start like talking and bursting out um in the middle of the speech I think it's really well acted yeah I agree the speech is my Friday night Friday night dinner um not not necessarily because of the sex stuff, but mm. going back to what I had said earlier, um, because of the ridiculous amount of pressure that high schoolers are put under when they're applying to colleges. And I think Paris probably put more pressure on herself than needed to be there mm-hmm. <laughs> or that other people did. But after Rory kind of starts the speech off uncertain because Paris isn't jumping in in her assigned spots, finally Paris does jump in and she starts just going completely off script, complaining about how she thought that Chilton would really set her up for her one goal, which was to go to Harvard. Her whole family has gone to Harvard for, was it four generations? I think five. Five round Five generations, (laughs) And yet today when she went home, she got the small envelope from Harvard. Mm. And then she does the whole, I had sex but I'm not going to Harvard line, mm-hmm. uh, which everybody in the audience is like, <gasps> gasps, gasps at. <laughs> and she starts to say like she's being punished, which obviously like that letter was mailed out long before she mm-hmm. had sex with Jamie. The decision was made. And obviously that's just her like trying to figure out reason through what's happened. Rory pulls her off stage and, I think this is, we've talked often about the sex politics of Amy Sherman Palladino, and I think this is like the prime example. This and Lane getting pregnant the first time she has sex, I think are like the prime examples of the you have sex, you're punished Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of storyline that 
is kind of omnipresent in yeah. Amy Sherman Palladino's work. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> this was my Friday night dinner as well. Um, particularly because of the lines and the ideas that you mentioned about like being punished for sex so you don't get to go to Harvard. And also I think a memorable line from this is Paris saying, who in the world deserves to go to Harvard more than me? Mm-hmm. So um, like, have you seen how hard I've worked? Like everyone here knows. And I feel like that is the fan question. Like this is what people ask when we talk about it is like, how could it be that Paris doesn't get to go to Harvard, but Rory does? And I want to place my critique at the level of the story writing of this, because if we take a step back, they have a problem, which is like, hey, we made it these characters' dreams to go to Harvard, but that's a bit far away from Stars Hollow. So if we want to do more (laughs) seasons, they both need to go to Yale. So how do you write yourself to get to that point? For Rory, they do just a more organic slowly unfolding she just eventually ends up liking Yale more and thinking it's a better fit you know when she goes and tours it and all of this stuff but what do they do for Paris to get Mm -hmm. her to go to like to not go to Harvard they come up with this storyline and I just wish they had done a different (laughs) storyline because the whole thing is like we're supposed to say oh no Paris you're not being punished you know you had sex but it's okay like that's not why you didn't get into harvard but like that is what is happening on the level of the story like Mm -hmm. they are punishing her and making her go to yale and they're using sex as a way for that to like make sense in our heads as like an explanation for why this happened and i think people point to a scene that will be in the next episode where they do like I guess a sort of like flashback to her interview with Harvard where she's like being really intense in the interview. Um, But even that is like a failure on the storyline because they should have told us before. They should have showed us that interview before, maybe closer to the application anxiety episode where Mm -hmm. those counselors were saying like, oh, they don't like hyper intense individuals. And then they could have soon after that shown Paris being really hyperly intense in her interview or whatever um but even that as the reason like oh she kind of messed up her interview annoys me because it's like sure Paris is an intense person but she's also an incredibly smart person and I believe that character would know how to do an interview Mm -hmm. like are you kidding me um or if you wanted her to be punished for sex like have her have sex before the interview and then have her be freaking out about it and have that affect her state of mind when she does the interview. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't like that either, but I'm just saying I think that this all happened from a very simple story problem and the way that they fill it in with these shitty sex politics is very telling to me because they could have filled it in with any number of reasons for her to go to Yale. Mm. Um, So on that note, to take a more happy approach to this maybe I would like to imagine like what would you have like the storyline to be that would be the reason that Paris decides to go to Yale rather than this this bad one (laughs) I I want it to be like that she she's going in pre-med right and I I want it to be like something based off of her merit like Yale Mm. offers her this 
prestigious pre-med track scholarship or something or I I don't know just (laughs) anything (laughs) other than this I do like the your idea of like how the writers could have solved the problem if they'd wanted to with what they had already set up earlier on Um, but did you have an alternate universe idea for why she would go to Yale not really um I just was like you know maybe that's a good approach to this as well like in addition to critiquing what they chose like what Mm -hmm. could they have done and I do like the idea that like Yale recruiters would maybe have like wooed her a lot um and I think that could make sense um because like a lot of Paris's like issues are the whole like feeling unwanted you know by her parents and whatnot so it would have been nice to see like people really going after her and wanting her to go to Yale and as Rory says, after all of this and her comforting of Paris, she talks about like, maybe it's a good thing that you are doing something that five generations mm-hmm. of your family didn't do. This will be you starting your own tradition. And if that had been like the inspiration of the storyline rather than the thing that is just used to console her after this horrible thing has happened, that could have been a nice approach to like yeah. Paris just deciding like I'm already on my own why don't I like discard you know this history and go out and do my own thing at Yale with my friend Rory like could have been so much more positive (laughs) Ivy League rebellion instead of going to Harvard I'm going to Yale I'm not going to Harvard I'm going (laughs) to deal with that mom and dad (laughs) really the best rebellion would be like I'm going to Stanford because even though the show doesn't know there's a west coast until they want to do a spinoff with Jess that's why I, no one even mentioned Stanford. The third option is Princeton. <laughs> well, Max Medina mentioned Stanford. I know. That's why it was on my mind. I'm yeah. like, wow, they actually mentioned another Ivy League. That's not like yeah. the three that have come up. <laughs> Got to get them far away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I fully agree with all of your points. And I want to add like that the writers are also very clearly juxtapositioning, if that's a word, Rory who has not yet had sex and her four acceptance letters that we see at the end of this episode yeah. with Paris who has had sex and her rejection like mm-hmm. they're they're even if even if we're not supposed to think that the sex is the reason for their acceptance or rejection for college that's that it that's exactly what they're giving us I know they are using that logic and they have it come up in the dialogue too like Mm -hmm. Lorelai upon seeing all of those letters says you're the biggest virgin in the world and they're supposed to they're joking about it right it's a joke but like but the internal logic is actually there like it doesn't matter that it's in the form of a joke when that (laughs) is what is happening (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah well um to kind of return to the kind of aftermath of this breakdown during the speech um as we mentioned a bit Rory is comforting Paris um this is when Paris is like obviously feeling bad about Harvard she's also worried about Jamie not liking her anymore she's afraid that she is a slut so she actually uses the slut word which is interesting and Rory says no you're not um and Paris also says, for all the trouble the sex thing has caused me, I better have been good, <laughs> which is kind like of <laughs> funny to me. But also it's like the sex didn't cause any trouble for you. Yeah. Like 
This was another bit of evidence for me where the show is putting forward the narrative that sex caused all of this when it's like, no, it didn't. Um, it's the writers causing all of this and bringing up the sex thing. Um, the one the one thing I do like about that, like this is the beginning of her sexual confidence that we see mm-hmm. a lot when she's at Yale. Like She is very confident in her relationship with, with uh, the professor. <laughs> I almost called him Ashton Kutcher, but that's not his Ashton name. Ashton Kutcher. That's hilarious. Uh, Asher Fleming, that's it. And then with Doyle as well. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, she, it never comes up with her again to like think negatively about her sexuality, which I really like. I do, I do like the way that they kind of turn away from this approach in mm-hmm. this episode, in this episode to something I think a lot more positive, like you said. Yeah. And then when Rory <laughs> Rory loses her virginity or has sex for the first time, it's the opposite of what Jamie and Paris, <laughs> they're like healthy first time. <laughs> Rory doesn't get it right until Logan, really. Yeah. And they have a very like adult relationship around sex and whatnot. For a while, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so after this, Lorelai has also, like, checked in, and we kind of get the idea again that she's thinking that Rory's the good kid, mm-hmm. but Richard has, he has fulfilled his one hour on set, so he takes off, he gives an envelope full of, I guess, probably money for Rory. Also, the funny bit about this is that he slept through the whole speech, <laughs> so he doesn't realize that it went to hell because he's like oh she did so well and then leaves (laughs) Uh, Richard without Emily he's more or less (laughs) um Lorelai goes to find her coat and it's not in the normal coat place so she has to go into this other kind of dark secretive room to find her coat and once again Max Medina is there of course can I say (laughs) a line really quick before we get into that conversation the coat check lady tells her where the coats could be and then she says because before this Lorelai says I'll fling myself off a building if I lose my coat and so the coat lady says oh it could be there or there otherwise the staircase to the roof is on your right and Lorelai like pauses takes it in and is like someone at Chilton finally cracked a joke I thought it was yeah, very hilarious was great. <laughs> yeah okay continue to the romantic drama <laughs> okay well before we get to the romantic drama we get a bit of transphobia Oh. Uh, which is, Max says, it must be hard being a girl. I don't remember exactly what prompts this. Oh, wait. I actually did this line. He says, I've been a teacher for 10 years, and it wasn't until today I realized it must have oh, been yeah. really hard to be a girl. And I couldn't tell if he was being serious or sarcastic there, because if he's being serious and never thought about that after 10 years, yeah, he might be that's... more dumb than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> But then he goes on, they have a conversation about, uh, well, he'll never have to wear a skirt. And Lorelai is like, well, not yet, kind of implying that, you know, in the future, men might wear skirts. And Mm. Max says that, well, he'll never wear a skirt. He'll be friends with the people who do, but hide so that nobody associates him with them. And I was just like, this is, (laughs) this didn't age well. And it's something that, like, obviously, I'm not recounting it perfectly, but Mm -hmm. it, it, is so easily missed also but I think it's just a little bit like cringy 
Yeah, I think I was overcome with everything that was happening. I was just kind of like, oh, <laughs> chit chat between Max and Lorelai, and I yeah. didn't even really remember. Well, it that is line. like in their normal kind of banter. So, mm-hmm. but after this little, this faux pas, which I think, like I'm calling it little, but it's also like culturally, it represents a much larger problem. Of course, yeah. After this, they have like a like quick stare into each other's eyes and then kiss. <laughs> and there's no discussion after the kiss or anything. Max just says maybe he's not over it, harkening back mm. to their previous conversation. And that's it. I was like, there's not going to be more. They're not going to like bang around in the coat racks and stuff, <laughs> knocking into things, like have some some aggressive makeout or something. But it was still still romantic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. It felt like they were, it feels very unfinished mm-hmm. um, when he just leaves. And I wish they hadn't put the passionate kiss thing in the bio because, like, I just kept expecting it whenever I saw them. I was like, okay, when's the kiss going to happen? I wonder if this was another writing problem, like, they knew that they could get the actor back in. They also knew that they couldn't get the uh, actor for Alex back in. Oh, so they right. were like, you know what we should Two do? Two birds with one stone. Yeah, because <laughs> at the end they do, like Rory does say, you know, what about Alex? And Lorelai's like, I don't know. Obviously Max isn't coming back either, but this could be like a half explanation for why we don't see Alex again. That's I, a good point. You know. I don't think it's really an explanation, but they could say it is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do think like a passionate kiss with your ex to make you realize like you don't have that with the current guy you're Mm -hmm. dating is not the worst way to like write themselves out of Alex not coming back. But they would need to make it a bit more clear, I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have a quick scene after this at Sookie and Jackson's house resolving some of their conflict Jackson finally realizes it's time to like celebrate rather than plan he says did I tell you how happy I am no he did not (laughs) so but I mean better late than never and he talks about how happy he is it is sweet um he does continue to bring up the knives though and Suki just ignores him says like I love you good night like she's not going to compromise on that bit (laughs) He'll come, he'll come to his senses eventually. Yeah. <laughs> After this, we get our final scene. Uh, they're back at home and Lorelai has apparently just told Rory about the kiss. This is when we get the what about Alex line. Mm-hmm. And they go up to the mailbox, kind of recreating the first scene of the episode. <clears throat> they open it up and inside we, the audience, first see mm-hmm. four big envelopes, which I liked that touch. Um... Lorelai reaches in. The first one must be Harvard because she hands it to Rory like this is the answer to everything. So that must have <laughs> been Harvard. And then she pulls out the others and then says uh, Rory's the biggest virgin in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a lot to figure out after this. And then they walk back in. And we can assume Rory just got into every single one of her colleges, which brings me quickly to an Instagram poll we did asking <laughs> people uh which choices they got into if they went to college I was actually kind of surprised by this and I wondered if I should have followed this up by like what kind of schools people applied to because Mm -hmm. 60% said that they got into their first choice and I feel like if 
people were just applying to Ivy League, that probably wouldn't have been the same <laughs> percentage, but people were right. probably doing, you know, a mix or state schools and stuff like yeah. that. Like, I don't know if I know <clears throat> anyone who applied to Ivy Leagues from my high school. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one of my friends applied to MIT, which was the big, like, ooh. Oh, wow. um, so it could <laughs> definitely be true, depending on, like, yeah, where yeah. you are. I applied to uh, one of the state university of new york the suny schools in stony mm-hmm. brook which i guess is not ivy league but ivy adjacent mm-hmm. um i didn't get it <laughs> but then we had 19 percent of people got into their second or third or and then 18 percent of which i was one of <laughs> didn't care where they got into they just wanted to make sure they got into somewhere and ended up yeah. like choosing out of the ones they got into later at least that's what i did and then 3% got into their last choice, which is perfectly commendable. Oh, yeah. I was between the got into second or third slash didn't care camp um, <laughs> because I did have a first choice, which was University of Michigan, and I did get in, but they didn't provide me any financial aid, oh, and it was yeah. like really expensive because I was out of state. So I ended up going to my the school I did go to, but... In hindsight, that would have been my first choice because it was like a smaller liberal arts school and I flourished in that environment. And I think Mm -hmm. at like such a huge state school, I would have been very overwhelmed, especially coming from a small town. And now that we now that we are at a really big school, um, the only thing that keeps me going is like that we have like a smaller (laughs) department, you know, so it doesn't feel like it except for when you're like walking on the quad during changing like in between classes and it's like people everywhere yeah Um, hundreds so yeah (laughs) I liked that what happened for me did happen in the end yeah I had a bit of a different track I got into a smaller state school in New York because that's I graduated from high school in Buffalo and Mm -hmm. so I went there for one semester but very complicated (laughs) I had moved from New Mexico to New York for my senior year of high school so after my Mm -hmm. first semester at at New York school as like I'm going back to New Mexico to be with all my friends yeah but out-of-state tuition couldn't afford that so I went to a community college I like split so I did a couple courses at the university a couple courses at a community college before until I got state uh residency Mm. so I could be at the state school so but then I was at a huge state school like the the flagship state state school for New Mexico so mm-hmm. I was used to it when I came here <laughs> yeah <laughs> after a small school for my master's degree but and all sorts of different paths they're all fine yeah <laughs> and we all get somewhere in the end <laughs> yeah supposedly <laughs> in hindsight I realized I forgot to nominate a gazebo moment in this episode uh, and I'm having a really hard time <laughs> picking one out now as I'm scrolling through my notes <laughs> Part of me wants to nominate Rory getting the big envelopes because that is supposed to be like a joyful moment. I remember being nervous about the same thing and the the stereotype about the big envelope, I mean, is true, though I did get a lot through email and then I would get the big envelope later on. Um, I also like the way that it bookends from the beginning where they mm-hmm. were at the mailbox as well. So I guess I'm going to like give a gazebo moment to this with like an asterisk because (laughs) I don't like the way that they tie it into the virgin Rory is so pure and that's why she gets into everything as well as the whole like 
she's a prodigy who gets into every single school mm-hmm. she applies to kind of narrative as well. So it's kind of like a gazebo moment, but a couple of reasons. <laughs> I had a similar problem with this episode. Like, there was so much going on, but there wasn't anything that I was, like, absolutely absolutely in love with, I think. Yeah. I guess I do like the line where Lorelai does ask, which one are you going to choose? And Rory says she doesn't know. I like that they mm-hmm. put in this ambiguity and that her answer isn't immediately, like, Harvard, 100%. Yes, is very telling that she has shifted, which is just complicated and fun. Yeah. Who was your MVP for the episode? Hmm. I also forgot to make a note of that. <laughs> I, you know, my afternoon nap took a little more time than I expected. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. <laughs> I picked a twofer for my oh, MVP. Nice. I picked Suki and Jackson. Yay. Because they are just one of my favorite couples. They're both so, they're both so, so them. <laughs> like they have such mm. distinct personalities and I love how they interact with each other and kind of like tolerate each other's quirks but also (laughs) love them in a way like even though Suki was frustrated with Jackson this whole time she wasn't mad at him like you never got the Mm -hmm. impression that she was angry at him she was just like what is he doing kind of so I just love their relationship and I I can't wait to see them as parents yeah it is a new chapter for them which is exciting yes okay I have come around to my MVP nomination which is Paris yay I like the way that she came to Rory and finally apologized that we see them being friends and leaning on each other for support once again and also for having a healthy relationship with Jamie and taking the next step with him in what I think was a fully consensual way um, that was followed by an unfortunate nervous breakdown um, because of the Gilmore Girls writers and as a character she suffered at their hands but she is strong and will pull through and ultimately like we talked about this kind of quality of her and her relationships will be a strength and of hers eventually in college and as a quick side note because I didn't get the chance to mention it earlier I do wonder what Jamie is up to uh Mm -hmm. like where she's just seen casually like (laughs) is he at school is he also simultaneously like having his life be super negatively affected by these events as well. Like, Mm -hmm. has he dropped out of Princeton or something? Like, I wonder what his life is like, uh, because I think they kind of forgot that they're supposed to be, like, long distance. Yeah. um, For the sake of convenience. Or more time is passing than we realize, so they're not actually seeing each other as often. I don't know. But, yeah, my MVP is Paris. (laughs) Yay. Always love Paris. Even when she's bad, she's good. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. well another long episode (laughs) (laughs) it was big you know it had big character moments yeah i don't remember what comes next so we'll see yeah we will see talk soon (laughs) talk soon